Hey everyone, welcome to Unrefined Women. I am your co-host Agnes. Shut the fuck up. It, it, it completely glitched as usual. Did you talk? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, oh no, God, you were. As soon as I said that, you glitched. <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay, all right. We're just clap. Okay. All right, here we. Okay. <laughs> Stop snorting over there. <laughs> right. So when I laugh, it's like a. Okay. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Unrefined Women. I'm your co host, Agnes. And I'm Margaret. This podcast is an ongoing dialogue between two sisters on the topics of spirituality, religious trauma, mental health, family dynamics, and feminism. We're very grateful you could join us today. Today's episode is all about internalized capitalism, our favorite controversial subject. (laughs) (laughs) I think internalized capitalism is like a concept that I've only learned about maybe in the last year. Like we all know what capitalism is, but like internalized capitalism, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, um, it's definitely something that I never really noticed until I think a few months ago, you had, Margaret, you had sent me a Instagram post that was saying like how, um, you know, symptoms of struggling with internalized capitalism. And so that's when I really started um, noticing how internalized capitalism affects me every single day. And even now being an adult and just like, doing the thing like working the nine to five and being in college and having to pay bills and all that it literally affects every single minute of my day even like weekends like date nights like everything it completely consumes your life and you have no choice in the matter yeah I think it's one of those things where like you don't really think about it it's almost like internalized capitalism is so ingrained in all of us that we don't even realize that we're diseased with it so for me it's been like this sort of like slow awakening to it and I've had to do a lot of research on it and really sit with myself and and try to identify the ways that it affects me but anyway in this episode we talk about what internalized capitalism is because this might be a very new concept to listeners Um, I give some definitions of capitalism and internalized capitalism and obviously Agnes you and I talk about some of the ways that it affects us and our thoughts on the matter and how bitter we are that we're diseased with this shitty thing yeah and I also do want to put it out there that after reflecting on this episode I really realized Um, Like how unfortunate this whole issue is and how it affects, you know, at at least America, because that's what I know of. And it, you know, all of us are infected with this. But I also do want to acknowledge the people of color and the people that are, you know, really struggling. And I know for myself that even though I do struggle with this and it directly affects my life and, you know, I'm not like a super rich, fortunate person by any means, But I do also know that I hold privilege and there are people out there that have to deal with this so much worse than we do. So I just want to put it out there that we are 100% aware. But today's episode is just all about our experiences. Absolutely. All right, let's jump right in. All right, I'm going to say hello as if we haven't been talking for the last 45 minutes. Hello. Oh, I know. (laughs) It's been like forever. And we've been texting all day. I know. (laughs) It's just been one of those weekends. How are you doing, Agnes? I'm doing good. How are you? 
uh, well, we have COVID over here, so, you know, I might sound slightly dead today, but, um, yeah, we're doing okay. Like, we're having mild symptoms, but we're just all kind of isolated here at home. That's good. I just realized that whenever someone asks you how you're doing and their response is always good, I feel like that's a symptom of internalized capitalism. Right? I know. Because, like, we're never, like, we always say good, but who the hell's like, actually good in the year 2022? <laughs> I know. And then I feel like, because there are, like, the, the, you know, the number of people that will say something different. Like, some people will just be like, oh, I'm doing fucking terrible. And everyone just, like, it's like, oh, okay. Like, it's so uncomfortable for, for someone to be honest about the way that they feel. I know. I kind of went through a, a period. This was, like, maybe... I think this is like pre-pandemic days. I was trying to be very conscious of how I would like respond to that question. Like if someone asked me like, oh, how are you? Like just casually like at the grocery store checkout, I would try to like really intentionally respond with something different other than just fine or I'm good, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely hard. Like it's just, I guess in the, we just sort of slip back into that habit of just saying fine, even though like, again, who the hell is fine? Yeah. Do you, do you have any advice or any, any good responses to say instead of doing, saying that you're doing well or you're doing fine? Um, I know when I was practicing it before, I was just trying to be honest, like, because I found that if I actually like pause and listen to the question and respond honestly, it actually like tends to organically unfold a conversation with the other person. Like at the grocery store as an example, I remember there was this one time early on when I was like I'm gonna stop saying fine and the cashier was like how are you today and I was like oh you know what I'm actually just feeling a little down today it's been kind of a rough day and the cashier was like oh really like what's going on you know and it was like we ended up having like a whole conversation and then we were talking about her day and how she's actually feeling and it was kind of cool I love that that's that's really cool but I feel like it's I know for myself, I struggle from really bad social anxiety. So mm-hmm. when I'm at the grocery store and they ask me, hi, yeah, oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Don't talk to me. <laughs> You're like, quickly, avert attention. Like, leave me alone. Don't look at me. <laughs> yeah. Or just like self-checkout or something. Sometimes I'll even wear my AirPods like while I'm at the store so people don't talk to me. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> Oh my gosh. You know what? That's one, that's like one, um, one reason I'm kind of grateful for masks. You get to like cover up your face and just like hide from society. If I'm really having a rough day, I'll put like a baseball cap on with my mask. So like literally you can just like see my eyes and I'll put my head down and just hope that like, Oh yeah. Sees me. And the faces that I make under my mask. (laughs) Dude. When the day comes that we don't have to wear masks anymore, we're so screwed. I know. I do like that weird face where like my lips are like inverted and like gums are showing. And I just do that for hours on end. I'm just like typing away like. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So today we're talking about internalized capitalism. And I feel like this is such a relevant conversation like not just to you and I, because we talk about this all the time, like almost every day you and I talk about capitalism and how much it has just fucked us. So, oh yeah. And, but I think this conversation is also just really relevant to the times right now. There's so much awareness 
on the negative effects of capitalism on humans right now. And especially in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, we're two years in, like, no one is fine. We are all struggling. We're all burnt out. We're mm-hmm. exhausted. And I think I, I'm speaking for myself here. What has really become apparent to me during the pandemic is that even when we were told to stay home, even during lockdown, when we actually had permission, well, not even permission, when we were when we were instructed, ordered, ordered to stay home and do nothing, we as America and as Americans are completely unable to do that because we have internalized capitalism, which makes us ha- makes us wrap up our entire worth in what we do for a living, like what we do for mm-hmm. work. So I just yeah, moral of the story, a very re- very relevant conversation. Yeah. And what is the definition of capitalism, Margaret? So I have a couple definitions here. The first one is by Oxford Dictionary. Capitalism is an economic and political system in which a country's trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit rather than by the state. And then I had just a second one, which is very similar. Uh, This one's by Webster Dictionary. Capitalism refers to an economic system in which a society's means of production are held by private individuals or organizations, not the government, and where products, prices, and the distribution of goods are determined mainly by the competition in a free market. Any thoughts that come to your head hearing those two definitions? Well, I'm thinking about um, how I have recently done a lot of research on Karl Marx who is a huge role model for communism. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, there's a lot of controversy around communism and um, the the effects of it, the corruption of it, the um, history of it. And I I recently ordered on Amazon, uh, the communist man, it's so funny, I said Amazon, and Amazon is like the root of this fucking problem. (laughs) But um, I bought the communist manifesto, which is um, just like a, a, it's an article, I guess you could call it. It's pretty short. It's a book, Um, right? Yeah. Because I have it too. Ironically, I bought mine on Amazon too. It's like a, is yours like a hardcover book? We probably have the same one. No, mine's like a little soft. It's a, it's a, what's it called? Soft cover. Yeah. But um, it's small. It's like 30 pages. Yeah. It's really small. Um, But I think it's part of, I literally should be more educated on this. I think it's part of like a a whole works done by Karl Marx. Yeah. Um, And yeah, he just, he did a lot of work. He was, oh my God, I really should have been more educated on this well i know we're um, gonna t- we're, you was... and i are gonna have this conversation even more about about socialism oh, communism yeah. capitalism in the future but yeah we're, we're just touching the basis yeah, here he... to dive into the internalized part yeah he was a a, a political theorist so that's what i struck or that's what i study in college so we're kind of studying the same things i know in my college career i'm going to be doing a lot more research around um this whole idea of capitalism communism socialism all of that so um you know this is an ongoing conversation but um how how you were saying with those definitions it really makes me think about what Karl Marx had to say about capitalism and he basically says that you know he praises capitalism because we can look at capitalism as a structure and 
really see the benefits of it in a way that people have the freedom to start their own companies. Um, they can make, you know, profit off of what they're really working for. Um, or the, you know, if you got to really go work hard for what, you know, what you get, if you, if, if you work really hard, then you deserve to have like nice things in, in a sense, you know, that whole concept is, um, it makes sense. But the problem with capitalism is that it's kind of a course that outruns itself. Mm -hmm. So we're at a point now in society where um, people will, we're all going to work, but, and, and we're all working all these jobs and there's all these job openings and how, how redundant are these jobs though? Like they're, they're really so unnecessary and we've reached a point of capitalism where we're all working so hard and working the nine to five and do and doing all these things. But it's like our jobs aren't really like that, that beneficial to society. Mm-hmm. So we're really just kind of running around in this circle to make a paycheck. So that's kind of the, the criticism that Karl Marx has to say. And this is why a lot of people say we're at late stages of capitalism right now. Yeah, I view it like a rubber band, you know, like obviously capitalism is is like a good system for innovation. So we've had a lot of innovation, but at what point are we innovating just to fucking innovate? Like, you know, like at what point does it just start to become like, we're, like now we're innovating too much at the expense of the well-being of humans? Um, because mm-hmm. like when I look at like the Webster Dictionary definition, you know, where it talks about um, the products, prices, and distribution of goods are determined mainly by the competition in a free market. I mean, literally human beings, like we have become the products or we have become the workers building these products and we're all at the hands of the private organizations that own the means to all that production. We don't even have say in that production. Um, we literally are just like we have been basically educated and raised to be factory workers in a sense. Yeah. And that leads me to talk about internalized capitalism. And and there's not like any official definitions to internalized capitalism. So I had to do a little bit of research, but I, I found some kind of summaries of what that means. So um, according to... Uh, Anders Hayden, who's actually a political science professor at Dale House University in Nova Scotia. So um, internalized capitalism is this idea that our self-worth is directly linked to our productivity. Um, You can't feel value in yourself just for being alive, just for being a human being. You have to be a human doing to have any value. Additionally, I found, yeah, it's so true. And then additionally, I found this. This is from the Cornell Daily Sun. Under capitalism, individuals are forced to maximize productivity and beat out competitors. This culture of forced productivity leads to an environment of competition and self-imposed stress that today's youth have grown up immersed in. I really relate to that. I know. (laughs) Same. Yeah. So those are some definitions of of what that is and what we're talking about here. So 
Agnes, I understand you've done a little bit of research into some of the symptoms of internalized capitalism. Because let's talk. Let's take this now. We just talked about these big abstract con- like topics. Now let's kind of pull it into mm-hmm. everyday life. So, what are some symptoms like for us to talk? Like for anyone listening, like do I have internalized capitalism? Like what's what are some symptoms to let us know? <laughs> Well, let me just say we all have it. If you're from, if you live in the United States of America and countries alike, you probably struggle with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I found from, it's there. Oh yeah, it's definitely in, integrated in all of our lives. Um, I found from medium.com, they gave like seven symptoms of internalized capitalism. The first one being your self-worth is tied to your productivity you feel guilty when you do something enjoyable. You prioritize work over health. You equate rest with laziness. Activities exist in hierarchies. You prioritize work over relationships and you optimize your personal and monetary growth. Mm. Wait, hold on. Read that last one again. You optimize for personal and monetary growth. Mm. That's true. That makes me think about like, I've kind of struggled with this and like, I don't know if something's wrong with me or something's wrong with society. Pro- probably society. I mean, come on. <laughs> but no. but I, I have this thing I've always struggled with where I'll have something that I really enjoy doing, like something creative as an example. I'll really enjoy doing it. Until suddenly I'm getting paid something for it. And then it's not fucking fun anymore. Like, I feel like all the creative juice gets sucked out of me and it becomes this horrible burden in my life. I absolutely agree with you. And I was having a similar conversation with my partner, Patrick, today. And um, just to get things into perspective, I right now in my life am busier than a fucking bee. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have so much... Yeah. And everyone tells me, everyone's like, I'm at a point now where I'm just like, go, go, go. I'm a full-time college student. I work full-time. Um, I run this podcast. And then on top of that, I have to like, you know, take care of myself and like eat and, <laughs> and yeah, sleep. Eat, sleep. <laughs> you know, the basic things just to not die. Yeah. And I also really prioritize my health and fitness. So I try to get into the gym. I mean, I used to go to the gym every single day and now it's like, I can barely get in like three times a week. Um, but I was talking to Patrick and I was like, he, or he made it, we, we were at guitar center today. I, I've actually bought a guitar today and this is why, um, he was, I was telling him, well, you know, I don't really have time to teach myself how to play the guitar. I have, I have too many hobbies. And he looks at me and he goes, babe, you don't have any hobbies. It's all work. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and I'm sitting there having like a crisis and I'm like, oh my God. Like everything that I'm doing right now and not a single one of them is a hobby. And I love everything that I'm doing. I I love the podcast. I love school. I love work. I love fitness. But all of these things are beyond being a hobby. Mm -hmm. You know, it's at a point now where it's like I have to fit that into my schedule in order for me to be successful even with, or a successful, you know, in different ways, but even for fitness, I'm, you know, I'm at a point now where I know that fitness is good for me and it's a part of self-care and without fitness, then I would, you know, not 
be healthy in my you know sense of healthy but it, it's gotten past it's to a point now where it's like fitness is almost like a chore to me it's it's a maintenance it's like taking a shower every day you know taking a shower isn't a hobby it's something you have to do in order to take care of yourself mm-hmm. so I'm at a point now where I'm like fuck I don't have any hobbies <laughs> yeah and I have this like I I have this thing in me Um, But I see it also happening with like my generation, the millennial generation. We find these things that give us joy. Like for me, as an example, it's creating jewelry. I love to create jewelry. But I remember a couple years ago when I started creating jewelry, how quickly my mindset shifted from this is relaxing for me. This is fun. This is like therapy. This is creative to, oh, now I need to find, try to find a way to monetize this. I should turn this Mm -hmm. into a business. Suddenly there's all this expectation. I got to keep up with inventory. I got to do marketing. I've got, and all of a sudden it's like, this isn't fun anymore. And, but then at the same time, like, it's like there's so much inequality in the world and we're so like 80% of America lives paycheck to paycheck. Like, I mean, myself included most of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, it's almost like we have no choice. We feel like in order to survive in the world, in order to be able to meet our basic needs and then try to, and then try to get to that point where we're like comfortably living. We, it's like we have to monetize all of our fun stuff. And then suddenly we don't get to do anything just because it gives us joy anymore it's like suddenly that's no longer enough and I feel like that is just like taken from us like it I feel like there's such a loss with that and I that's I feel like that whole concept is preached to us you know our entire lives where it's like oh you know you can make money off of that I feel like I hear that all the time Mm -hmm. and it's like well yeah I know that but do I really want to make money off of that And, um, you can continue. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I had an experience recently with that because, you know, we just transitioned from living in a house into living in a fifth wheel. There's a lot of people whose jobs are basically having cameras all over their fifth wheels or RVs or tiny houses or wherever they live that's different and like documenting all that shit and running YouTube channels. And it was like, you know... Casey and I even said it to each other like oh we can make like a TikTok for our fifth wheel we could come up with a fun name like our brand we can make a YouTube channel and then I started thinking about it I was like that sounds fucking miserable I don't want to do that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and it's like at- my own life just can't I can't even just live my own fucking life like we literally are at that point where we're like oh yeah let's just monetize our entire lifestyle and that brings into um, exploiting kids when it comes to social media. There are so many YouTubers or people that like where their parents are recording their kids or their kids are doing something. A lot of it happens on YouTube and TikTok where, you know, kids are dressing up or playing with toys or saying something funny. And it's like the parents are just pushing this because, you know, it brings it brings money. It brings attraction. It brings fame. And then they're exploiting their children for a paycheck. And then mm-hmm. the and then the parents like create an entire business around their children, entertaining other people. And then the parents are now taking their child's money or the money that the child's making. And then they're paying themselves as the child's manager how fucked up is that that people are turning their families their you know their children into fucking businesses Mm -hmm. and 
we can also look at that, um, especially on TikTok when it comes to, you know, young adults or teenagers. Um, let's take Charlie D'Amelio. Do you know, do you know who she is? Yeah. I, I yeah. only know so, her because <laughs> of my child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Charlie D'Amelio, I, I think she's so precious. I think she's so pretty and, you know, you know, there's controversy, but you know, she's cute. And she started TikTok from, uh, dancing or something. She, she would do like dance tutorials cause she's, a, she was a prof- professional dancer. I don't know. She did dancing when she was younger. Mm-hmm. So she would do all this dancing and now, and she gained all of this popularity because she's pretty and she's, you know, the ideal white teenage American who has money and, now she's famous and now they live in this million several million dollar house in LA and their entire family is rich they've got a show on Hulu and I think about every time I I don't really follow any of these people but they do show up on my for you page and I'm seeing these videos and she's like day of my life or vlog or all these videos that come out and it's almost like this thing that they had that they that was fun before is suddenly such a chore and you can look at it too with youtubers how they have to come out with a video once a week and it's or every two or or twice a week and it's it's all for a paycheck and they're just sitting there thinking about how how can I monetize my life what kind of videos are going to bring attraction and how is this going to bring me more money and success in life and while well, like what you just said there, notice it shifts from I'm doing this because it's fun to I'm doing this because now I rely on it to give me a paycheck. Yeah. And it's just like, it's and it, so there's like this, there's like this beautiful, like childlike play and innocence that gets lost in that. I feel like. Absolutely. And like I said, you know, how, how much of this, the work that we're doing in life is unnecessary. And I I don't, I I really go back and forth with this because uh, just like a little history on myself, I spent uh, a period of last year unemployed where I focused on myself. I focused on the podcast. I focused on um, just becoming a better version of myself. And it, and I don't want to say it was a dark period of my life, but I, I really felt lost and I really felt um, uh, so much of my self-worth was wrapped around the fact that I did, I wasn't working and I was reliant on my partner. That was even now, like I say that with a cringe because of internalized capitalism. And I know the type of connotations that go behind that. Like, oh, so, so, so you're not working and you rely on your partner. Like that's such a judgmental thing. Like that people say all the time. And I would think to myself like, oh my God, like I am, I know what people are saying about me and I would really hide this part about my life. Now, I thankfully, because I was able to have that time to really focus on myself, that's where I had finally figured out what I, after, you know, years of not wanting, knowing what I wanted to do with my life to deciding what I wanted to study in college and really pursuing that. And now where I am now, like where I am now in my life where I'm working full time for a law firm and I feel extremely happy. But then I got in this huge rush where I felt 
so like I had to be busy where it's like, oh my God, I have to focus 110% of my attention on school and work and all of these things. But then slowly and surely I started, you know, suffering these symptoms and these consequences of internalized capitalism. And I, now it's like, I, I come home from work and I can't even relax. Like, it's just like, go, go, go until it's like nine o'clock. And then I'm fucking exhausted. And then I go to sleep, wake up in the morning. And it's just the same shit over and over again. And as excited as I was in the beginning to, you know, have this new life and this new job and this new um, structure, structure to my day. I was really excited, but now I'm at a point where I'm like, you know, I, I still love all, all those things. I still love my job and everything, but can I really do this until I'm ready to retire? Can I really do this until I'm 65 years old? Like working this hard day in and day out. Yeah. And the thought of that makes me so depressed. And then I start thinking about, okay, well, what if one day I want to have a child or, or children? I don't, and then, then I start wrapping my head around like, what am I going to do then? And well, you know, what are my options as, as a mother? Like, do I have the child and, um, and you know, after a few months put the child and I'm sure Margaret, I want you to talk about this too, but do I put this child in daycare and go back to work and then completely suffer from all of the bad side effects of having your child be in daycare five days a week for nine hours straight or do I stay home and become depressed and suffer all of these part not not that everyone suffers from this but I know from my own experience of being a nanny being cooped up in the house all day not being able to go anywhere because you're taking care of a baby like both options just sound depressing and there's no way to get out of it because both ways you're suffering from this constant guilt of internalized capitalism and then also like the 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 guilt that comes along with having a child it's like oh I need to take care of my child oh but I also have to work because my my value depends on my occupation that and also that most most like families cannot survive on one income anymore it's just not possible Mm -hmm. with inflation so I think like kind of what you described there as well, this sort of like you're, you're doomed, you're, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't when it comes to working mothers. Um, it's that there's been this breakdown in society where we have like lost, we have lost touch with being in community with one another. We all live so far away from each other. And I experienced this myself. Like I moved to Las Vegas when I was pregnant with Brayden. I didn't have any family or friends here. That was an incredibly dark and lonely time in my life. And, you know, I had a lot of complications with my pregnancy. I was very sick. Um, and then after that, I ended up staying home with him because I actually got fired from my job during maternity leave which is illegal and I should have pursued it but I didn't um I got fired and I ended up having to stay home for the first almost a year of Brayden's life and I had no community here and I was so lonely and I had postpartum depression it was just a very dark time in my life I would never want to do that again I would never recommend anyone do that if they can help it like give birth to a child and then be completely isolated from any kind of support um 
But this is really common. Like this is becoming more and more common. Um, and this is also why I'm so critical of this concept of the nuclear family. You know, the nuclear family is the, the, the husband, the dependent wife, and the 2.5 children in their suburban house and their picket fence. Like this is not traditional. Like I, I just, it, it makes me so angry when I see these like conservative Christians or these conservative Catholics that are going on and on about we have to present preserve the traditional family it's like no this isn't fucking traditional this whole concept of the nuclear family of the man and the wife and the children this is like uh, like 150 years old at this point it's actually pretty fucking new in the grand scheme of the world like all the way up until 150 years ago we we lived in villages we we were raised within tribes we were raised within communities like all the children were taken care of by all of the adults, everyone shared in the responsibilities. We don't have that. We're so isolated now. And so you have mothers that are so isolated and cut off from support. We have this rugged individualism in America where if you can't do it all, there's something wrong with you. Go medicate yourself so that, you know, go medicate yourself for depression and anxiety so you can just ignore the fact that none of this is fucking normal and just keep being a fucking machine within the capitalist system. Or you have to, um, so you have, you have these options of like, you know, stay home with the children and be completely isolated, or you have to go get a job and end up paying at least half or even more. I even I have even heard of cases of mothers that go to work and a hundred percent of their salary goes to childcare. The only reason they go mm-hmm. to work is because they enjoy what they do and they do, and they get the benefits, you know, the insurance benefits and stuff like that. But literally all of their income goes to the child care because we don't have affordable child care in the United States because it's not something that's subsidized through the government like in other countries. So you have to pay it 100% out of pocket. So like working mothers or stay-at-home mothers, you're fucked either way. You either stay home and you're isolated or you go to work and spend all of your money basically paying for someone else to raise your child. It's, it's, it's so fucked up. And then we also uh, have to bring in this whole idea of being um, solely dependent on your partner, mm-hmm. which is such a scary thing because I know for myself, when I was at that position, I knew that it wasn't a long-term plan for me and that I was still planning on going back to work. And I, I didn't feel like, you know, oh my God, I'm going to be dependent on this man for the rest of my life. However, we can look at um, our mother's situation where she my my our parents tried to conform to this traditional um, lifestyle of a family where you know the the mother stays home and the father goes to work and the mother you know raises the kids and is solely dependent financially on the dad and when you know obviously if you you know heard from our other episodes our dad was a royal piece of shit and (laughs) uh, was extremely abusive to us children and to our mother so it comes around, what, 2016, my mom reaches a point. She's been married to him for 26, 27 years, and she hasn't worked a job since. She has nothing to put on a resume, not, like no, no connections, none of that. And she is ready to or has to, for the sake of her life, to leave this man and take her children with her. 
So my mother was then at the point where uh, our mother, I keep saying my mother, <laughs> our mom lot, was, <laughs> I'm speaking to the audience. <laughs> what can I say? Um, our mom was at the position where she needed to get an entry level job in order to um, provide for us kids. But even at that point, her working full time simply wasn't enough. And I was 14 years old at the time. So I remember the struggle of my mom who thought that this whole idea of, you know, being in this, uh, structure of a family was supposed to be healthy and great. And, you know, some, something that she was morally obligated to do now turn into her working full-time at a grocery store, having four minors under her roof trying to pay all the bills, trying to make sure everybody's getting into school, making sure everybody's fed, etc. Now, how how many years later is that? What, 5 years? I don't know. I can't do Something. math. <laughs> it's been yeah, it's like 5 or 6 years later now. Mhm. Yeah, and my mother is still in the same position where now she has less minors under her roof, but I have so many conversations with her where you know who's gonna take this kid to school oh my god I work and now this kid needs to take the take the city bus home from work and it's just the same thing going over and over again because she was dependent on a man that's what it really comes down to yeah it's like a cultural failing and a societal failing and it's like you can never get ahead like I just laugh now I literally laugh when anyone tries to say that stupid irrelevant quote like oh if you just work hard you know if you just work hard everything will will pan out you know like our work hard you're working hard gets you places in life like uh actually no (laughs) not really I mean like look at mom poor mom she's just getting used as an example here (laughs) but like look (laughs) at mom like mom has gotten pay raises over the years like you know, on paper, it looks like she probably makes a decent wage now. She makes way above mm-hmm. minimum wage. But how much has her rent gone up in the last few years? Like literally every time she gets a pay raise, the cost of living goes up double that. So she's just even more in poverty than before. It's like you can that the whole concept of working hard will get you places is a lie. I I'm sorry. I don't know many people in life that work as hard as our mom works and who struggle Mm -hmm. as much as she struggles. I absolutely agree. And let's also talk about this whole concept of um, adapting and and upgrading your lifestyles. Mm. So Patrick and I have been together for a while. We we became adults together and really we've really been through this whole idea of being in high school and, you know, not really worrying about much except for what I'm going to eat for, you know, bringing packing up my lunch and doing my homework. It's not really, <laughs> you know, uh, being from that point to now we're, we're at a point where we have our own, um, apartment together and we're two cars and, and really, you know, doing the thing. And some, I, I look back at, okay, our first jobs, we were making what, like $12 an hour, $15 an hour, barely. And thinking, oh my God, wow, we're going to make so much money. And now we're at a point where we make significantly more than that. And we still, I don't care about calling myself out. We still live paycheck to paycheck. 
there's no shame in that but it's just a fact of life and I sit there and I'm just like oh my god how are we at a point now where we're making money that we would have dreamed of making when we were 18 years old and we still don't just get to do whatever the fuck we want like we can't just go out and buy whatever the fuck we want and uh not have bills to worry about like it's just simply not a uh a reality for not only us but pretty much every other American in our generation and it brings up this whole idea of upgrading lifestyles and people are always saying well you know stop stop upgrading your lifestyle stop buying things that you don't need which which is true like there there are lots of sacrifices that people have to make you know I don't just like go buy whatever I want you know I still utilize thrift stores and um go without you know I'm sure everyone fucking everyone who except for the what top three percent can understand this (laughs) right but it's almost like society forces us to upgrade lifestyles with every single pay raise that we get and it's almost like getting a pay raise is just irrelevant at this point. Like if I went to work tomorrow and they told me that they were bumping up my, my pay raise to like plus $10 an hour or, or, you know, up from that. And I, you know, when it really comes down, Oh, that's so exciting. That's so great. That's so much money. But when it really comes down to it, it's not actually going to make that much of a difference in my life because inflation think about Mm -hmm. how expensive things are looking at apartments jesus fucking christ <laughs> yeah. god damn i'm about to do what you did margaret <laughs> just say fuck it all live in a fifth wheel <laughs> yeah, yeah except i would literally die because i can't. i'm not at that point yet congratulations margaret i'm glad you reached that point but i'm not at that point <laughs> But yeah, everything is just fucking expensive and gas prices are fucking expensive and you can't just sit there and start blaming politicians about gas prices because when it really comes down to it, we should stop using gas because gas is fucking destroying the earth and, um, you know, rent's expensive. Cars are fucking expensive in order to get a car that actually drives. Like that's not cheap. Like that's money out the door. You have to insure your car. You have to insure your home. Let's talk about homes for a minute. You know, there, I remember a year or two ago, I was thinking to myself, I never want to rent because renting is just, it's just a waste of money because you're just throwing your money towards this company and you're not and you know, rent is renting is not an investment. Mm-hmm. So the other option is to buy a home. Okay, well, guess what? Buying a home is fucking impossible because I don't just have $40 or $40,000 just falling out of my ass right now so that I can For go a down payment. Oh, buy I a think house. it's Oh, I think it's more than that. I mean, if you're going to put 20% down right now on like an average home, I mean, you you got to be like digging into almost the six figures at this point for a down payment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just like the the it's like the benchmark keeps moving. It's like the goalpost keeps moving constantly and I think this is really prevalent in my generation and your generation. It's it's just we were born into this deficit and it just feels like this hole where the the more you the more you try to like climb out, the like further you fall. 
and it just like feels mm-hmm. it feels like so impossible and I feel so discouraged all the time about it and and like never even like don't eat like let's not even talk about retirement like I feel like generations before us by by my age at least like you know early 30s like you know you had a pretty pretty established retirement plan like you you know you were taking steps and now like retirement like I can I'm just trying to get through this week like never yeah. mind retirement so mm-hmm. it's just like yeah it's tough now let's let's kind of go back to as well what happens when we you know attempt to as finances and everything aside we attempt to take time off or even just on the weekends try to unplug from all of this what happens to you Agnes when you have a day off and you try to relax just walk me through that day um well okay so (laughs) usually by like I wake up in the morning probably set my alarm crawl my ass out of bed I'm gonna relax guess what it's noon I'm deep I'm I'm very I'm hours deep and deep cleaning my house (laughs) I'm now planning my grocery shop, my grocery shopping list. I'm now planning everything else throughout my entire fucking life because I simply cannot relax. And I have looked back at, um, let's talk about quarantine when we were mandated to stay home back in early 2020. And there was that like few weeks, month where it was just like scary as fuck. And we're all at home watching fucking Netflix And I remember sitting there and just like not being able to relax. And I'm like thinking about like going shopping. Oh my God, I want to go to the mall. Oh my God, this and this. And I want to get my life on track and just like really trying to like utilize that time to be productive. And now I look back and I'm like, God, I wish that I just sat down and ate some chips and just watched Netflix. (laughs) Right? It's like, hey, all those naps I didn't take as a kid, can I like, can I do that now? But oh wait, my body won't like actually relax so I can do it. Oh, I know. And I have such a hard time when it comes to like taking a nap. Yesterday I tried to take a nap. That was a fucking joke. (laughs) And it's like, it's just nearly impossible to relax. And on top of that, like I have school and this, this weekend. So right now that we're recording this, it's Sunday night. I go back to work tomorrow and I I'm thinking over my weekend and my entire weekend was focusing on two projects that I definitely did last minute. (laughs) And it, the entire weekend was just wrapped around doing other things like doing homework or doing this, that, and all this other shit that needs to get done. And it's like, how much time of my weekend, the time that we're supposed to relax, the the weekend that I've earned throughout the week, how am I supposed to, you know, what have I done to like really take care of myself and really relax and not just like, oh, I washed my hair this weekend, you know, congratulations to me. But I, you know, did I really sit down because Patrick and I really enjoy watching movies. That's like our thing to do. But I feel like every single movie that we watch, I'm just like sitting there like thinking about all the things I need to be doing, you know? Mm-hmm. I know. It's like so hard to just unplug and like be in the present moment. Um, like we're struggling with that right now. Like we're home quarantined because we have COVID. Thankfully, we're having pretty mild symptoms Um I mean, I say that it fluctuates day to day, like, you know, some days are worse than others, but you know, neither one of us have had days where we're like in bed all day, unable to get out because we're so sick. 
you know, we're fatigued, we have the brain fog, um, you know, we've got some of the other symptoms going on. I've had like, I've had like some of like the weird, like burning feeling in my, my sinuses. It's, it's trippy, but you know, this is a time that we should be resting, right? You would think we should be resting, letting our bodies sleep, um, you know, watching movies, reading books, sitting out in the sunshine. And we can't do that. We're like going insane in here. We're like constantly like searching for things to do because in, in Casey and I talk about this, it's like we just have so much guilt around sitting and taking care of our bodies while we're sick with COVID. Like we can't even do it. We feel like these like loser pieces of shit that are just like <laughs> wasting away our lives because you know we're quarantined for five days whoop de do <laughs> I mean probably longer than that because we're coming up on day five and we're still sick but you know we can't even relax for a few days we're so upset and you know what you know what I'm realizing this is super fucked up but you know back at the beginning of quarantine like all the people that were mad that we had to stay home like this is oppression that I have to be in my house (laughs) you know what I'm like having a lot of empathy for those people now I'm like damn you know what I get it you all are suffering from internalized capitalism your worth is so (laughs) wrapped up in your jobs you just it's like a drug like oh I just gotta go back to work just oh yeah I just gotta you know (laughs) itching It's like none of us know how to just unplug and rest. Like it is such Mm -hmm. a radical concept to just sit the fuck down and rest. We can't do it. (sighs) Yeah. This is really hitting me now on like the whole idea of overstimulation because Mm -hmm. I struggle with not with going a fucking minute of my day without being stimulated by something. So I, for an example, I love cooking. Margaret knows this. I fucking mm-hmm. love cooking. Depending <laughs> depending on how busy I am. If yeah. I have like a weekend, like I'll take the time. Like I, I enjoy cooking. But I, I was really thinking about it. Like what do I really love about cooking? What I love about cooking is I have my phone <laughs> and I've got Netflix going on the background. <laughs> and I'm watching something usually Gilmore Girls because I fucking love Gilmore Girls but I'm watching something and I'm doing I'm watching it while I'm cooking and I've realized oh my god what I love about cooking is that I'm stimulating myself by watching tv I'm watching Netflix while I'm cooking and I remember thinking to myself one time just like super subconsciously one day when I have my own house I want to put a tv in my kitchen (laughs) (laughs) how fucking stupid is that (laughs) Like just doing one thing I, is not enough. We have to do 10 things all at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and then I've also like thought to myself, like when, whenever I finish like a TV show, like that feels like accomplishing, like, oh my God, like I finished it. Like I've seen it. Like when you introduced me to watching Downton Abbey, do you know how fast I finished that show? Oh, like all like, what, I, six or seven seasons. I can't remember. Yeah. I watched it in like a month because I'm like, oh my God, I need to finish this show. Like I'm like so <laughs> wrapped up and like finishing it or feeling some, some sort of feeling of accomplishment. So, and when we really think about like going to work and working, like all of that is stimulating. I I mean, it depends on what kind of job you're working, but you know, we're so wrapped up on 
um, learning new things or being productive or doing something. And now we can start thinking about uh, the addiction of TikTok because I'm so fucking addicted. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, I, I see, I'm all about calling myself out. Like, I'll, I'll admit that I'm addicted to all these things. And um, I think I, it's now hitting me now the reason why we're so, uh, society in general, is so addicted to TikTok because TikTok is probably the most, is the most addictive platform, social media platform in history. And I think that, TikTok is that voice or that feeling it gives us that feeling of accomplishment that we will never or that feeling of of over of stimulation uh, of entertainment of um uh, value we're getting that from TikTok because capitalism is not giving it to us so TikTok's almost like this cheap drug it's like as mm-hmm. soon as you watch this 15 second video or I know they're longer but let's just say 15 second video there's that sense of accomplishment if I watch this video but the moment you have that sense of accomplishment suddenly it's like this insatiable need to then watch another one and before you know it you've blinked in three hours has gone mm-hmm. by so I feel like we have all of these like essentially cheap drugs in society just to make us somewhat tolerate for the moment the fact that there's so much disconnection from each other in the world and we just have completely lost our own identity and our own self-worth outside of capitalism and what we do within that structure yep and I remember seeing um something online about how or someone was saying isn't Instagram is just suddenly so boring. You know, Instagram used to be so addicting and now it's just boring, but it's really because Instagram doesn't give us this other level of stimulation that TikTok gives us. And now Mm -hmm. we find all other things like Facebook, Instagram, reading a book, everything else is just so much, uh, it's so much more boring because we're, you know, our level of addiction now is on a whole other level. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get wrapped up by talking about some ways to cope with internalized capitalism. So this is uh, by medium.com. I will link this in the show notes. And so I'm just going to read off the title headlines. And, and if something comes to me, I'll speak on it briefly. But there's like, you know, paragraphs underneath each of these headings. Mm-hmm. So the first one is recognize the roots of internalized capitalism. So for anyone listening, if the concept of internalized capitalism is new to you, just go Google it. There's so much information out there or go ahead and click the show notes. We're going to have some stuff linked there. So on just understanding the roots of it and and what all that means. Um, The next one is foster awareness in your everyday life. So just trying to become conscious of how we spend our time and, you know, like the thoughts that arise when we do try to relax. The next one, create boundaries around acts of self-care. I think that's huge. It's also a hard one to practice, but, you know, making those boundaries of like, hey, from this time to this time today, I'm like legit going to do nothing. And, you know, then, of course, trying to stick with that and, and, you know, having boundaries with ourselves as well around creating time to rest and actually following through. Um, The next one is speak your expectations out loud. So communicating that to other people of, hey, tomorrow I am not going to be responding to emails. Tomorrow I will not be doing these tasks or like writing it down. For me, it's like I also read that, like write it down in a journal. You know, if you can write it down, you can manifest that shit. (laughs) 
remember your mantra. So creating a mantra, I guess, I actually love some of the ideas suggested in this article. Um, I have everything I need. I'm a human being, not a human doing. I'm not a robot or I'm not a machine. And remember that it's normal for your energy to fluctuate. I love this because I, you probably get this too, Agnes, but like I noticed there's some days where like I'm totally cool with the hustle and the grind and other days where I don't want to do anything. (laughs) And that's normal. Like that's normal to have your energy fluctuate. Like we're not Mm -hmm. meant to be 100% productive every single day. I don't care if your job is Monday through Friday, nine to five. We are not wired to just like go to work and just plug in from nine to five and be productive 100% of the time. Like not normal. And last one, the sad reality, except that waking up to internalized capitalism is a lifelong process. Oh, I know. That's sorry, guys. There's, there's no cure. I'm sorry. You got yeah. all the way to the end of the episode and there's no cure. Yeah. I mean, we can start a revolution against all the other people that love hey there's you know what there's a whole revolution going on i'm going to pull this up right now um go on uh no not tiktok actually i don't know if they're on tiktok go on instagram the non-stimulant social media app and go check out the nap ministry that's the name of their page, the Nap Ministry. I love it. There's like so many daily quotes in there all about rest. Like like the liber like there's it's like a whole liberation movement around rest and like how revolutionary that it. is. Yeah. I love for it. Sure. And I also want to before before we go, I want to remind everyone that you cannot take care of other people until you've taken care of yourself. I cannot stress it enough. Your partner, your children, your family, your friends, you cannot be give them 100%. You can't care for them and love them as much as you're capable of doing that unless you are taking care of yourself first and you're choosing your needs first and unless it's a screaming infant, you know, sometimes you got to go run and take care of that. <laughs> There's the exception. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you, you can't give a hundred percent to your job unless you've taken care of yourself first. Amen, sister. All right. What are you grateful for today? Oh, I almost forgot about that. <laughs> I am grateful for, oh, fuck. Okay. Um, <laughs> I am grateful for, um, being able to write a paper, a thousand word essay in in like three hours oh that's pretty good actually <laughs> that's what I'm grateful actually I did two projects this weekend anyways don't want to talk about it but I finished them and I'm so fucking proud of myself and grateful awesome. and you Margaret what are you grateful for um oh I'm like feeling a little a little feisty today I am grateful for the sunshine because it's sunny here in Las Vegas That has been nice to enjoy while we're stuck home with the COVIDs. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's been nice to get out and be in the sun, even though I'm like just itching to, you know, be productive. But uh, (laughs) because I'm feeling feisty, I have to say I'm not grateful for the Antarctica wind that has accompanied it because it's spring in Las Vegas. (laughs) So, you know, the sun's out and it's nice and warm. And then you get hit with this like blast of freezing cold wind off the mountains and you're like, damn it. (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah <laughs> well that's good at least you have something to be grateful for right I know something no matter how small. I mean we all do <laughs> we re- we all have something even if it's just looking at a wall or something <laughs> <laughs> not just sticking in your grateful. brain for two seconds yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> all right thank you everyone have a great weekend We believe in the power of taking even one minute a day to breathe and find gratitude in the little things. Wherever you are, if you are able, close your eyes, take a deep breath in and out, and reflect on something that you are grateful for today. We are so honored that you could join us in this discussion today, and we hope you have a beautiful week. If you enjoyed today's Unrefined Woman podcast episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. To check out other episodes, please visit our website at unrefinedwoman.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. To stay in the loop and receive access to additional content, please follow us on TikTok, username unrefinedwoman, and on Instagram at unrefinedwomanpodcasts. Special thanks to Walter Birdsong for the album cover, Margaret Rainey for our podcast music, Andrew Cioni for our gratitude prompt music, and Sean Butcher for editing and production. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.